election. Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome, one and all, to the Alan Nathan Show, where we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. I'm John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News, sitting in for Alan today while he's on assignment. And we're watching the fallout from the Trump arrest and indictment, still reverberating through the country, through politics and through the media. And one of the most fascinating things about this, after a day of digesting what occurred, is that the people who don't like Trump. And, you know, there are people that are severely disliking him. Some of them are Republicans. Some of them are, a lot of them are Democrats. The people who don't like Trump are not happy about this. They they were at first. They were all dancing and capering and saying, we finally got him and he's going to get a mugshot and he's going to get a perp walk. He didn't get a mugshot. Uh, there was no mugshot of Trump. So Trump went out and made a mugshot of himself so that he could sell it on t-shirts, uh, which is kind of a funny twist of, of how this all played out. But the the fallout, the reaction after this is all over is one of dismay. The the lefties on the, on the media and the people who are devoted never Trumpers, uh, who that type of, of pundit, the legal analysts, they're all looking at this and saying, uh, this isn't a very good case. They they really thought that this uh, this attorney was going to bring a stronger case against Trump, and they got all worked up when there was an illegal leak, which, by the way, is a felony for which someone should go to jail, of the, of the indictment before it was handed down, and it said it was 34 counts, and they got all excited. Whoa, 34 counts, boys. We're going to get them on one for sure. Well, no, it turns out it's one thing repeated 34 times. And that that took a lot of the wind out of their sails right there when it was just the same accusation over and over again. It's one of these obscure campaign finance process type things that everybody knows people on the left get get a pass for. As a matter of fact, Hillary Clinton, did you know, was accused of the exact same thing as Trump, not in the same context. We all know that Trump's business had to do with the Stormy Daniels stuff. Uh, For Hillary Clinton, it was something else. But she did the same thing with improperly using campaign funds and no indictment, no perp walk, no no, no charges, no nothing. She got a, a complete skate. She paid a fine. She paid a modest fine, which is nothing to the Clintons. They're rolling in money and off she went. So there was no, no fallout. But for Trump, they were going to have a perp walk and we're going to do all this stuff to him. So obviously an unfair system of justice here. And it's, it's getting the public a bit riled. And there's a really interesting set of polls that came out. And uh, caveat, I don't like to obsess over polls. I know pe- sometimes they're not very accurate. And even if they are, people's opinions change. But as a snapshot in time, as as a picture of a moment of public opinion, this is an interesting tidbit. They've got these polls that show a large number of independent voters think the prosecution of Donald Trump is entirely political. 
and we're talking 60% and more of the respondents in these polls that say they're independent, moderate type people. They say that they think this prosecution is totally political. And then roughly the same percentage of them, slightly less, but still in the ballpark, say they, they approve anyway, <laughs> even though it's, it's entirely political. They know it's nonsense, it's garbage, but they still wanted it to happen anyway. So whoever you are on the political spectrum, you have to be looking at numbers like that and feeling a bit queasy about it. Because if you're the Democrats, you're looking at this and saying, kind of like the whole country now knows that the government has been entirely corrupted into a political weapon of the Democratic Party. They know the rules don't apply to us. Maybe they're getting a little tired of that. So we got to be careful that the public doesn't have a backlash against our people for getting free passes and launching politicized prosecutions and so on. And on the other hand, uh, they, they kind of like the idea that Donald Trump is getting hassled for something. And it's the same percentage of independence, which is a dark omen if you're a Republican, if you're trying to figure out the Republican strategy for 2024, you're trying to figure out how you're going to get somebody in the White House, you look at that and you say, it doesn't seem like Donald Trump, if he is the candidate, would have a very easy time of it winning over independence. But that's not to say it would be impossible. Independence voters are a, a fickle beast. I mean, they're, they're, they swing around a lot, and sometimes it's hard to know what's going to motivate them in large numbers or get them excited. Because if you're an independent voter, if you're one of these people that proudly belongs to neither party, and you say that you're a middle-of-the-road type person, then in theory, it ought to take some uh, pretty exciting stuff to get you off the fence and commit to one party or the other. Here you are in the middle of the road thinking that that's the place to be, and here comes the selection coming at you like a, like a truck barreling down the road, and now you have to decide. You're going to jump to the left or the right of that road. You're either going to vote for a Republican or you're going to vote for a Democrat, you know, and if not, you're going to stay home or, or have a protest vote, which is the same thing as staying home effectively. So you're either going to go one way or the other, and to do that, you have to be motivated. Something has to be clicking with you that says either I can abandon my middle-of-the-road position to support this candidate because I like them or I think they have some good ideas, or maybe you'll do it because you really dislike the other candidate and you'll say, whatever we do, we have to keep this other guy from getting into office, so I'll vote for their opponent. That's pretty much your choice. If you're a proud, middle of the road, totally independent, belong to neither party voter. And when you look at polls like this that show the reaction of people that are independent or, or non-aligned politically to the Trump indictments, they're saying they know it's garbage and they're still okay with it, which is like the most confusing, quintessentially independent signal, I guess, that they could possibly send. And if you are a strategist for either party, then you have to be wondering, how are we going to reach this group of people as voters? And get them to vote for our candidate. And the perpetual danger for the Democrats going into 24 is that an awful lot of the country has had it up to here with Joe Biden. They don't like what's happening to the country at all. Their lives have been materially affected in a negative way by Joe Biden's policies and economy. We're a laughing stock around the world now. It's just a disaster that gets worse and worse. So a lot of those people might be inclined to vote against Joe Biden, but maybe not if the candidate is Donald Trump, someone that they as independent voters and moderates have been convinced is entirely radioactive and they could never see themselves voting for him. So a bit of a conundrum when you're trying to decide how your strategy is going to work going into the upcoming election. The midterms is going to loom large over calculations like that. It's pretty clear from the midterm elections that Trump did not do well in them. His candidates did not fare well when he came up as an issue. It usually cut against him in a lot of these states that were close races. So you got to think about that going into 2024. But Trump's supporters, his ardent supporters, are thoroughly convinced 
that he can overcome all of this, that he's going to energize people, that he's going to remind them that they made a horrible mistake by putting Joe Biden in the White House. And now they have an opportunity to maybe correct that mistake and return to the pre-Biden America, which was unquestionably a better place. There is no doubt that other than COVID, which was an external crisis foisted upon us, America before Joe Biden came along was stronger, richer, more prosperous, more respected around the world. There's no question about that at all. So if you're a Donald Trump fan, you're convinced he can get over all these negatives and convince people that they can undo a terrible mistake they made with Joe Biden by putting him back in the White House. But voters don't always like to think that way, particularly independent, moderate type voters. They don't like being told they were wrong, even if they kind of think maybe they were, even if they're having some second thoughts about what they did in the last election. It is very difficult to reach out to those people and win their support by saying, man, you screwed up last time. What a fool you were. But here's your chance to undo your mistake. That is not a sales pitch that is likely to work terribly well with those voters. And that might be one of the reasons why so many moderate independent swing voter types are saying that they are disgusted with the prosecution of Donald Trump. And also they're kind of okay that it's happening, even though they're disgusted with it, like a pox on both their houses is kind of what they're saying here. I think the public would be well advised to think long and hard about what's happening to the country and what it means to us when we can get politicized prosecution like this, because it isn't just going to be Donald Trump, and it never has just been Donald Trump. Politicized prosecutions can affect anybody anywhere. The state has been weaponized to an incredible degree. Ask anybody who was a Tea Party uh, person, the kitchen table mom and pop Tea Party group organizer, back when the Obama IRS came after them, like, you know, the FBI going after Al Capone. They just ask them, you know, whether the government can be weaponized against you. They'll tell you all about it. I mean, that is an increasing problem in American life, and you need to start dismantling these aggressive powers of the state if you want to live a better life than that, if you don't want this to happen anymore. But that means the Republicans have to put up somebody that, number one, is palatable to people who are independent moderates who are disgusted with the system, and number two, can convince them that they can get the job done. And I think that's going to be a huge factor in the Republican primary. It's still ways off. It's still nebulous. We don't know who all of the contestants are going to be. We have a couple of declared candidates, but some of them may not be there. They might flame out before the, the, the system really gets going in the primary. So we, we don't know who it all is going to be competing and contending here. But I think one thing they're going to have to do to bring the Republican Party back together and win over people who are independents is not only convince them that they have the right positions and the right attitudes, and they have a plan for correcting what's been going wrong in America, but that they can actually see it through. And that's the tough part. That is one of the reasons why some of President Trump's support has evaporated. Some of his former supporters think he didn't do a good job of delivering on what he said during the campaign in 16. Others do think he did and, and are devoted to him because of that. But if you're going to do well in this next primary, you're going to have to convince people that are Republicans and independents that it's worth casting their vote for you, that you won't just talk a good game and then disappoint them. Not easy to do. I'm John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor for Breitbart News, sitting in for Alan today. We'll be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. This message is provided by Beringer Ingelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. 
There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global Fibronir Program. To learn more about Fibronir and eligibility requirements, visit fibronir-ipf.longboat.com and fibronir-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. 
Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News. You can find my work at Breitbart.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DOC underscore zero. Well, here with us to chew over the indictment of Donald Trump and what this means going forward is Jeffrey Lord, contributing editor to the American Spectator, a contributor to Newsbusters and Conservative Review, and author of the book Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Well, I don't know if you heard my opening segment there, but I noticed that all across the TV landscape are long faces from people who couldn't wait for Donald Trump to get indicted. And now it looks like they're having severe second thoughts about this case now that it's all out in the open. Well, I think there's two things that are slowly dawning on them. One, this is helping him enormously in his... uh, a battle to get uh, renominated. Uh, I mean, the, the polls, everything. Uh, people are just livid with his treatment and uh, are racing to support him for re-election. Uh, and they see him as being targeted by the establishment, if you will, in all of this. And secondly, I think there's a dawning recognition that if it's okay to indict uh, and arrest a former president of the United States, uh, well, then what about the Biden family? What about Nancy Pelosi and Paul Pelosi? What about up the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation and Bill Clinton, Inc., and all of that kind of thing? Uh, If the door is now being opened to prosecuting uh, political people for these kind of things, then okay. And as a matter of fact, I've been doing a little research. It seems that someone named AOC had a campaign finance problem. And also somebody named Chuck Schumer, had a campaign finance problem. So perhaps we need to be looking for what? Federal marshals to turn up at, at the House and Senate office buildings and arrest them? I mean, I, I just think they have opened a Pandora's box here, and perhaps now they're beginning belatedly to realize it. I I like to think that maybe we could get something good out of this, that maybe the result of this will be a world where the free pass uh, for lawbreaking and scoffing at the law is removed from the political elite. I just have a hard time believing that's the the ultimate shakeout here, because for a long time now, campaign finance violations have been largely prosecuted only against Republicans. It goes back to people you mentioned are great examples. Hillary Clinton skated on the same thing Donald Trump is getting in trouble for. This goes back for decades now. Republicans will now and again get get hauled up on campaign finance issues and they'll get in some trouble and they'll get embarrassed and democrats never do it just it never happens and it's it's out in the open we know that some of these guys have committed campaign finance violations and it's not even worth discussing well they have a double standard uh there is a a real serious double standard in prosecution of the law and what counts as violations and all that kind of thing if you're a republican they're coming for you If you're a Democrat, oh, they just look the other way and it's not a big deal. And I think people now, when when you see something as vivid as what we saw last night, physically vivid, uh, with with Trump surrounded by police and sitting at a defense table uh, with, with a prosecutor who made a campaign pledge to get him, and then a judge who's conflicted, I don't know if you're, if many people are aware of this, but his daughter is uh, a very big player in a political consulting firm. And one of their main clients is up Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Uh, How about that? Now, there's no conflict of interest there. I mean, this judge should not even be on the case, but there he sits. 
And imagine if it was the other way around, if, if this was some Democrat being hassled like this, and it turned out the, the judge in the case had a daughter that worked for the Trump campaign, it would be the end of the world. I mean, it, it would be, yeah. the walls would be tumbling down, cities would be burning, it would be horrific. And also, we just got treated to a couple of years of Democrats screaming and yelling that Clarence Thomas needs to be kicked off the Supreme Court because of his wife's political activity. And all of a sudden, it turns out a, a judge's wife can be in politics, and it's totally fine. That is an excellent point, John. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, I mean, I just think this is ridiculous. But since they're the ones that want to make a big deal out of it, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what goes around standards. comes around, I believe is the saying. It's, it, it really is a question of, of double standards. I wonder if the Democrats are also a little nervous that for years now they've been telling us that uh, January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened. Some of them will say it was worse than the American Civil War. It was worse than World War II, greatest threat to democracy in American history. And then they're getting caught on camera here basically being gleeful that Trump's indictment could get him the nomination because they think they can beat him in 24. They think he's radioactive and he's the key to destroying the Republican Party for a generation. So they're capering and dancing about this. And then I think they realize that doesn't look good. So maybe some of them are trying to rein in their enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. I mean, I, just, I have to say, having been around the political world for a long time and working in the White House for President Reagan, I have never seen anybody who upsets the political establishment as much as Donald Trump. Uh, they just cannot abide him because he's not one of them. And and worse they realized that he was elected deliberately by millions of people who wanted him <laughs> there <laughs> to upset the political establishment. Uh, and, uh, and he does it just by showing up. He does it. And uh, I think it's, uh, I, 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 as I always say to people, when these kind of moments have uh, invest in popcorn stock, it really is. And it's also something that I think a lot of people uh, observing this are noticing that it's kind of a divisive moment for the Republican Party because some of them don't like Trump and some of them would like him to go away and others are, are very devoted to him and want to defend him. But it's pretty much a sure thing that if they don't hit back after this, if they don't make Democrats pay a price, if they don't start perp walking some Democrats now that the free pass is gone, that it's not going to amount to a hill of beans. The, the Democrats are not really worried that powers like this might be turned against themselves someday in the future, you have to hit them now and make them realize that they've declared open season on the political class. Do the Republicans have the stomach for that? Because they usually don't. They usually back down and they just well, mutter I, something I, about bad precedents. I'll, I'll say this, John. Just this week, I live here in suburban Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the state capital. And just this weekend, we had uh, a gathering known as the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference, which is, in essence, uh, a Pennsylvania version of CPAC, you know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, conservative activists from across the state. And our main speaker was Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida. And and he he went out of his way to go after Alvin Bragg. And I, I can't think of anything that has so united the Republican Party across the board Trump critics and, and Trump supporters alike. I mean, I, it really has amazed me. What I saw firsthand at this gathering here uh, was just incredible. People were really, really revved up about this. And I was on a panel at one point, and I said, well, you know, the thing is, it's Donald Trump today, but it could be anybody in this room the next day. Well, I mean, I was just saying it to make a point. Well, all of a sudden, the place erupted and thunderous applause, which said to me, people are really PO'd out here. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. But is is it just anger? And and the Republican tendency typically at a moment like this is to say we're going to keep our powder dry and then we're going to run on this in a couple of years and we'll do it at the ballot box. Or are they really ready to start throwing down some indictments and making the Democrats pay a price for this? No, I think that's that's a very very good question, John. And I'll be interested to see because you know I mean let's be candid. Who amongst us had ever heard of Alvin Bragg? before this began. So it it seems perfectly logical to me that somebody out there in a red state, an attorney general, a prosecutor, could suddenly decide to uh, take the same tack here. But we'll have to wait and see. And, And it does remain to be seen. Jeffrey Lord, contributing editor to The American Spectator, thank you very much for joining us. I'm John Hayward, sitting in as your guest host today. We will be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon. <gasps> Stephen! 
What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor at Breitbart News. The Biden administration has proposed some troubling new rules that would govern the vetting federal employees, people that go to work for the government. They have the system of determining whether you're acceptable as a government employee. And these new rules would include conditions that say that if you were knowingly and willfully engaged in trying to overthrow the government, that you would be unsuitable for hiring as a federal employee. It's very vague language, and it's easy to see how this could be applied to pretty much everybody who isn't a card-carrying Democrat after the reaction to January 6th. Here with us to talk about it is Michael Austin, a member of the National Center for Public Policy Research's Project 21. Welcome to the show, sir. John, thank you so much for having me today. I read this fine article you wrote about this at the National Center for Public Policy Research, and the only thing that kept popping into my mind was Hong Kong. It, this is exactly what the Chinese Communist Party did to Hong Kong. They passed this national security law that basically says all disagreement with the ruling party in the government equals subversion. And if you're a subversive, you can't work for the government. You can't work for anybody. You're going to go to jail. This sounds like exactly the same idea. We're going to introduce this vaguely worded language that says everybody who fi has a fiery denunciation of the government is a subversive. And that means you're going to be locked out of government employment. 
That's the sad truth, John. I mean, it's a sad day for democracy when the leader of the free world starts to resemble a medieval monarch. And you're exactly right. In a shocking effort to overhaul those hiring guidelines, Joe Biden wants to abandon that patriot requirement, you know, love of country and whatnot. But instead, he wants to see absolute loyalty to the Democrats and to the woke agenda. I don't think that's leadership. I think it's a dangerous path for any republic to go down. And we we have an increasing echo of that thinking in the private sector as well through things like the DEI program and various things that are being done in school. They're sending this message that unless you bow to certain ideologies and unless you actively profess that you support certain ideas, you get locked out of life. You don't get to work for the government. Maybe you don't get to work for companies. You get pushed out of the media space. It's, It's creepy and totalitarian, and it's already gone way too far. Yes, as I say in my op-ed, you know, this isn't a conspiracy theory. We're not wearing tinfoil hats. We're seeing this happen in the private sector. They are harassing conservatives every which way. There was a restaurant owner who kicked out a conservative because he spoke GOP politics with a friend. Uh, Another restaurant canceled catering service to a Christian group because of their pro-life stance. If you have the federal government sanction this type of behavior with what Joe Biden wants to do in the federal hiring, it's going to be the proverbial adding fuel to this house fire. And the the language in this policy is so vague. There are so many words in here about overthrowing the government. Well, isn't that basically dissent in a way? If I think the Democratic Party needs to be forced out of government, am I trying to overthrow it or am I legitimately expressing my political views? It's way too easy to turn this into a weapon against enemies of the regime. Right. Now, naturally, you want to make sure if you're an agency that potential employees have the right level of character and conduct. That's not being in dispute here. But you're right. The new policy's interpretive words like coercion or indoctrination are so vague, they can apply to just about anything. So, you know, if if, if you uh, if you're a part of a a book club that seems to like the Da Vinci Code, but that, you know, that book, of course, has some unlawful things in it, you could get fired for it. And it just all promotes that they're trying to find, you know, people who fit a certain agenda as, as, as opposed to finding the right candidate for the job. And boy, indoctrination, there's a loaded word. If we're going to prevent anybody guilty of indoctrination from signing up for the government, I think we can get rid of half the public school teachers out there in one fell stroke. I mean, if indoctrination is bad, all of a sudden I have a long list of people I'd like to bounce out of their jobs for it, and, and they're not conservatives. Uh, that's exactly right. But of course, you know, they won't see it that way when they're talking about indoctrination. They're only talking about a one way street. Um, when you're talking about hiring for a role, it really should just be, you know, do you love this country? Will you fight to protect this country? That should be the only real level of character and conduct and requirement that should be for a federal job. But adding all this uh, stuff in here just makes you think that, you know, unless you're really good at walking eggshells, that's the only chance you're going to have a, 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 a chance at a federal paycheck. And this is all especially significant to me because we've just come out of the Trump presidency, and one of the lessons that we learned there is how important personnel is, that even if you elect a president or congressional representatives who conform to your views, they could get to Washington, and they're going to find that this permanent state of titanic power, staffed by these people who have lifetime appointments that are virtually impossible to fire, and they're all ideologically polarized. They have been for a long time, but especially after the last 15 years or so, they've they've all been turned into a massed army of the left. And whatever you try to do, they're going to undermine you in every imaginable way. So the next president who isn't a Democrat is going to have to clean house and hiring good people to replace the people that they they purge is going to be a big job. And you don't want to make that job any harder for them than it already is. 
That's right. You know, we're talking about just the, the sheer the sheer audacity of making this type of move, but it's also just doesn't make much business sense. You're talking about, you know, putting aside those who are productive, those who are capable, those who have the experience for the job, and you're implementing cronyism to a certain extent. Um, what's that going to mean for how effective it is, you know, for certain federal services to get to you? Um, I, 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 there's nothing good that can come of it. The only good that comes of it, of course, is consolidating power, which unfortunately looks like Joe Biden wants to do. And that's a big problem because one of the ways you consolidate power is by handing out government jobs and government money. That's that's time-honored tactic in every totalitarian regime. That's always what you do. You make sure that you control all the patronage, you control the grants, the money, all the jobs, and then you make sure that only people that are aligned with your party get that those goodies. And that's one of the ways you tighten your grip. And it feels like that's, that grip is really tightening to a white-knuckled extreme here. Um, yeah, that's that's most certainly true. It, it's it unfortunately gives too, too too much of a sign of what we've seen in, in you know Soviet Union or in Cuba or you know even in uh, Nazi Germany uh, way back when. But not only that, but it's just uh, a front to our constitution. We have a freedom of speech where you're not supposed to be persecuted or prosecuted uh, based off of your political speech. But uh, I would not be surprised if woke bureaucrats in the federal agencies use this rule to harass, uh, deny hire, or straight-out fire conservatives. You mentioned in your article the flip side of this, too, the chilling effect on political speech. If you're someone who aspires to work for the government, people go to school for that. It's the career they want. And you find out that policies like this are in place. You're going to be extremely nervous about doing or saying anything that might come back to haunt you during one of these extremism reviews. Yes. What we're basically saying is that Joe Biden wants you to be afraid to speak your mind. He wants a chilling effect in the workplace. He, you know, he wants to create a type of censorship without having to put a policy in place um, so that he can make sure that his agenda isn't thwarted or isn't impeded or doesn't, you know, make sure it doesn't have to go through any rules at all. And that is not only disheartening, but as I said before, it's it's a it's a dagger to free speech. And that reminds me also of something we've seen in both the public and the private sector over the last few years, which is people who get in big trouble because of something they wrote a long time ago, even when they were kids, when the social media thing was first getting started. Now it's 10, 15 years later, they're grown adults, they're in a job, and something they wrote in high school is dug up and that's it, they're toast because they said something that's considered unacceptable or intolerant today. That that scenario is unfortunately possible. And, yeah, you want to use the example of maybe something you said 15, 20 years ago, but how about things that, you know, are common sense ideas today? Like maybe you shouldn't have pornography in elementary schools or you shouldn't have drag shows at libraries or marriage should be, be between a man and a woman. These types of common sense statements are going to be utilized um, by these woke bureaucrats uh, to harass conservatives or at least to harass just common sense people out there who just want to make a living working in federal government. It feels like a giant machine that's just made to crank out fear, that that's how you get people to accept these radical extremist transformations of American life. You make them afraid to speak up, and they think there's going to be consequences. They could lose their job. They could not get a job they really like. They could get booted off social media. So they're terrified into silence, and this small minority of extreme people gets to just roll over them like a steamroller and change everything because no one is willing to speak out against it. 
that's exactly how it starts. You know, it, it starts off with making one statement and people naturally brush it off because maybe they think it's not worth their time, but it's used as the foundation for the next crazy argument. And now we're seeing them play defense in a certain way by making sure that even when they say something again, you're going to be much more afraid to, to, to speak out against it. And um, it's a sad sign. And I really think this is an opportunity for, for everybody to come up and speak and, and push back against this regulation, either through congressional action or, of course, just petitioning you know, Joe Biden. What would your advice be to a Republican now who's going to run in 24? They're, they're going to want to run on some kind of a reform a campaign. And some of that's going to have to deal with the titanic size and staffing of the federal government. Would you advise them to run against the size of the state and talk about wanting to trim it down? Or would that be opening them to being attacked because they're supposedly going to increase unemployment by firing a ton of federal employees? Well, of course, there are always consequences when you make these types of uh, decisions and actions, but you have to think about whether it's worth it. And I most certainly think it is. We've heard so many stories about, let's say, the IRS getting 87,000 new agents that could potentially harass Americans just for having a couple hundred dollars in their bank account. Or we've seen so many rules and regulations that's just making it harder to run a business or harder to raise a family. And so I think if you can focus your messaging on the effects that it has, it might be easier, you know, to to, to make a broad message about why it's important to get government pared down. And I think you can make that relate to people's lives. You can put dollars and cents figures on it. You can talk about the amount of money the government is spending, about the number of people and jobs we're talking about here. And you can directly relate that to inflation, to everything that's going wrong in American life these days, and say it's really time to start trimming the fat. Michael Austin, member of the National Center for Public Policy Research, is Project 21. Thanks for joining us today. I'm John Hayward, your guest host. We will be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. Jump Clouds Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices, and cloud based options aren't ideal either. Jump Cloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end to end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. 
If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries? I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News. Well, a new Gallup poll shows that 83% of American adults think the current economy is only fair or poor, and 72% of them think economic conditions are getting worse. That would seem to be very bad news for the Biden administration and for the Democrat Party, and yet people were pretty down on the economy during the midterm elections, and the Democrats did okay. What do people really think about what's going on? out there, and what are they really prepared to do about it? Joining us to talk about it is Michael Chapman, Managing Editor at CNS News. Thanks very much for joining us on the show today. Hello. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, 83% say fair or poor. That's pretty abysmal. I don't know if that's the worst of the modern era, but it's got to be got to be right down there. So that that seems pretty pretty terrible. And yet it doesn't really seem to be damaging the Democrats politically in a big way. They just cleaned up in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's true. Um this poll uh was done by Gallup um in early March, the first two weeks in March and um they asked a random sample of Americans all over the country um, about um, their uh, what they thought, uh, how, if they could describe the current economic conditions. And as you said, 83 percent of them uh, said poor slash only fair. Um, and I, I think a, a lot of it is still, you know, Americans overall, we're, we're still uh, dealing with some pretty heavy inflation um, that started last year. Um, and, uh, also you're seeing interest rates go up, uh, for housing, um, and other loans. And, um, I think there's a lot of concern about, uh, uh, economic conditions, but also people's financial futures. And that's probably why they said, uh, 72% of them said, uh, they see things getting worse economically as, as to why that translated into, uh, um, uh, fairly uh, reasonable gains uh, by the Democrats and uh, at least uh, some wins in the House by the Republicans. That's a tough question. Um, and I don't have the answer to that. <clears throat> it is a fascinating question. I'm sure much on the minds of political consultants in both parties as they gear up for the big presidential election in 2024. It feels like one way to explain that would be to say that voters are unhappy with all of this, but there's a kind of despair settled in over them. They don't really think they can do anything about it. They either don't want to vote for whoever the Republicans are putting up there, or they don't think anybody can fix it. And they're just kind of slowly beginning to accept this. They're grumbling and they're unhappy, but the, the days of low inflation and low interest rates are a fading memory to them now. Yeah, I, I think that's a good uh, good observation, a good point. Um, I think there probably is um, some despair and um, a feeling of, you know, what what more can we do? Um, and also you, you see uh, the continuing attacks um, against, uh, for example, uh, former President Trump, but also uh, the attacks, if I could use that word, by the FBI and going after um, parents at uh, – school board meetings and labeling them as, as domestic terrorists, the, the whole transgender and LGBT uh, advance that's going on. Um, all of these things, um, I think, can overwhelm people, um, especially more conservative uh, Americans, and um, can uh, seem very frustrating. And, you know, we have the Republicans in the House, who's a good chunk of them are fighting back, but they can only do so much in the House, you know. They, they can pass as much legislation as they want, but it, it's not going anywhere in the Senate uh, with Chuck Schumer in charge. And um, they can investigate a lot of things, which is good. They need to do that. But holding people accountable, they don't they don't have the power really to do too much unless, you know, they hold people in contempt um, and they could have them arrested. But uh, Republicans don't have a good track record on that. Um but I, I do I do think you're right. There is a sense of uh, uh, despair. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think you saw it maybe on uh, to a small extent, maybe on the face of President Trump yesterday uh, in New York. He didn't. And his speech in Mar-a-Lago, 
it was a good, good, good speech, I thought, but he certainly seemed um, kind of tired, you know, kind of down mm-hmm. over over what was happening. And um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Americans sort of feel the same way. Another thing from the CNS report on this poll that jumped out at me is that 2%, only 2% of the respondents listed the environment and climate change as the most important problem facing America. And that's consistent with most polling. I think the highest I've ever seen it was maybe 5 or 6%. But that's 95% of the political class says that's the top issue facing the country. 99% of the media says it is. And staggering sums of money are being taken from people and spent on the, in the name of climate change, just almost in conceivable amounts of money. It's really starting to affect people's lives now. Rising gas prices are making it hard for them to drive. They're being forced to buy electric cars. There's no other word for it. This massive campaign is being leveled at them to phase out the cars they have and make them buy electric vehicles instead. There has never been an issue, I think, in the history of the human race that has had as much money and power devoted to it as climate change. And yet the public, 2% of them say it's important. That That's an, another amazing indicator that maybe despair is what's at play here. They just don't think their opinion matters anymore. Yeah, that, I think that's part of it. And it also it, it illustrates um, how out of touch uh, the Democratic Party and the radical left are uh, with average Americans um, and how ideological they are uh, in pushing their agenda. Uh, the climate change, uh, like the poll says, 2% or less are not concerned about this issue Um and yet they're spending uh, ungodly amounts of money, especially under the Biden administration. It was curtailed a little bit under Trump. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 uh, liberal elites, leftist elites uh, in government and out of government are pushing their ideological agenda. Uh, and that's what they focus on. Um, and as, as I mentioned earlier, you can see this you know, in, in the way they push the LGBTQ agenda, um, how they push um, – uh, gender ideology in the schools. Um, and um, there's a variety of different issues um, that they seem to focus on a lot, um, but the, the majority of Americans are not concerned about. Americans, by and large, as usual, um, are concerned about their pocketbooks, their wallets. You know, as James Carville, uh, although a Democrat, he was correct years ago when he said it's the economy. Stupid. Um, um, but uh, the, the poll indicates that I, I think Americans still, by and large, are, are very uh, commonsensical. Um, they're focused on things that really matter to them. Um, and um, that's a good sign. <clears throat> It, it is good to see people taking important issues seriously. It is an alarming issue to see that their sense of what's important is so at variance with the political elite, and yet they don't change the political elite. 20% of them said bad government was one of the worst problems in the country, and yet they, we just had an election where the status quo won. So it's really hard to work your head around it and see where people are coming from. Michael Chapman, Managing Editor at CNS News, thank you very much for joining us. I'm John Hayward, your guest host today, sitting in for Alan. Thank you very much for joining us on this hour of The Alan Nathan Show. 
The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.